Well, before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This morning I want to talk to you about assurance signposts and milestones. And they connect to some things that happened with Moses, but also speak to us about our lives. God gave Moses an assurance that helped him hold on to the purposes that God had for him and the plans that God had for him in the face of all the challenges that Moses would go through bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. God gave Moses a marker or a road sign in particular to look forward to. He told Moses, when you see this, you will know for sure that I called you and that you are being led by me. When you see this sign, it could be Put this way, it will be an unmistakable confirmation for you. So it's described in an earlier passage in Exodus. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 or 12. The Lord tells Moses to go to Pharaoh. And Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So think about what Moses thought the challenge was that he was facing personally. It was expressed this way, who am I? God's answer was, I'll be with you. And after a short time, Moses makes a decision. It's it's described in Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. So Moses went back to his father-in-law, Jethro, Yithro, and said to him, please let me return to my brothers in Egypt to see if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. So I want you to notice that at this moment, Moses has decided to return to his brothers. He will return to them in Egypt. He's returning to his Jewish people. He's being called back. His future will be actively connected to them. His future and their future are connected. And that makes their present life and priorities connected. And I think some of you can relate to this because the Lord has been calling you to reconnect with your own Jewishness and with your Jewish people. And I want to remind you of something. It's from what Moses said. These are not your target audience. They're not your market. They are your brothers and sisters. That's very important. Sometimes when we're serving the Lord, we may place a greater priority on others. That's happened to Sandy and me when we lived and worked overseas. And we found ourselves giving priority to 
the ministry we were doing there, and it was at the expense of my family, my Jewish family. And one of the things that stirred us to return to America and end up here with you now was because we wanted to serve our family. We wanted to be closer with them. And that required that we actually followed the Lord and his leadership back to America. We're glad that we did. But we did it out of love and we did it because we were missing some of those incredible, uh, wonderful experiences of bring, bring, being with brothers and sisters together, being with children and grandchildren, being with cousins. And I know that not everybody has a perfect family. We sure don't. In fact, I don't know any, let me put it another way. It is true that we don't have perfect families. What I want you to know is nobody has perfect families. Even God's family isn't perfect. And he's a perfect father, but we're not perfect children, are we? And yet he loves us and he teaches us to love each other. And so Moses is responding to the call of the Lord. And like many of us, his first response is connected to his personal sense of confidence. Some people have low confidence. Some people have high confidence. I used to tell people who worked for me, you have to be careful with me because I can be confident when I'm completely wrong. And so don't be reluctant to tell me. Don't hold back just because I'm expressing confidence. There are some people who are, they are acting without confidence even when they're right. And so you may know which one you are or where you fit in that spectrum of positions, but Moses was feeling what I think most of us can relate to, a sense of uh, insecurity. He expresses it this way, who am I? In Hebrew, mi anochi, who am I? Another way of saying it in English would be, who, me? And those of you who love Alfred E. Newman will know something about that. So maybe Moses was thinking that he wasn't good enough, maybe he wasn't strong enough. What we do know from the things that he later said to the Lord right after this moment, he was really concerned that other people wouldn't believe him. And I think Moses at that moment didn't have self-confidence and that was actually okay. Because you know what he really needed? And I want to say this so clearly and draw this out because it will be so useful for every one of us. What Moses needed was not more self-confidence. He needed confidence in the Lord. Because the Lord was calling him. And that's what Moses was questioning, but he was questioning it from the inside where his confidence was unstable or insufficient rather than connecting what was going on to the power, the might, the goodness and authority of God. The Lord was speaking to him. 
And I want to remind you of something that we've been talking about. Hope and faith are connected to each other. If one is lost, the other will be lost. If one is gained, the other will be gained. And when I say hope, I want to be really clear to you. Hope is the positive expectation of good. Another way of saying it is it's the anticipation of a future good. If you have hope, you expect something good. You can't hope for what you already have in your possession. Now, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of what we are hoping for and what we are expecting. It's the proof of what is invisible, of things that can't be seen. So faith is an assurance, it's a promise, and a guarantee. Now that's not my definition, I, I lifted that out of the scriptures, maybe it's familiar to you. So Moses receives this assurance. You, Moses, will be back right here at this same mountain with all of Israel, and you will worship God together. Your faith, just like Moses' faith, becomes strong when you align your faith with God's will on a manner. Because I'm not talking about cheerleading and trying to rouse something in yourself that God is not in favor of. I'm talking about connecting your hope, your faith, and your confidence in God. So I want to tell you some more. Not only are hope and faith connected to each other, they're both connected to confidence in God. Hope, faith, and confidence in God, they're all connected. They're synergistic. That means they work together in powerful ways. They have strength together that is greater than the individual strength that each has. Now let's think for a moment about what Moses actually needed for this assignment. He needed confidence in God. And that's why the Lord gives Moses some assurance. God says to Moses, I will be with you. Moses says, who am I? And the Lord says, I'll be with you. It's almost a way of saying, wrong question, Moses. You know, sometimes you can ask a good question and your teacher or the Lord will say, good question. This was not one of those moments. This was more wrong question. But in the kindness of God, the Lord didn't say it exactly that way. Moses is saying, who am I? Me on And the Lord says, I'll be with you. That's a way of saying, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. Nah, he knows, he knows us. He knows our frame. But it's a way of putting aside that feeling that people can have when they're not confident. Are you familiar with that feeling? Are you familiar with what can happen when you think you should do something, but you're just not confident it's going to work out? Or maybe you know you should do it. Maybe you know it's the right thing to do, but you don't know how people are going to take it. Are you familiar with that? Or are you familiar with just wanting to get it so right that you don't want to make a mistake. And so you check and recheck, and by the time you finish checking, the time has already passed. I can't help but remember a moment 
from years ago. I was driving home from work one day, and I was minding my own business. But I had to drive through um, sort of a rough part of town to get home in this case. And as I stopped at a light, I saw a man, and I'm going to describe him the way I saw him. He sort of looked like a bum. Do you know what I mean? I know that's not a popular term to use, but it was a correct term at the time. So he was ill-kempt. You can, you can come up with your own mental image. What's important is to understand he sort of, he, he looked a little bit suspicious to me. And while I'm stopping and I'm taking notice of him, I had this feeling I should give him 20 bucks. I had this feeling, and I had, I had the money. It was in my wallet. I had this feeling, but I had a response of uncertainty. Now, here's the problem, and maybe you can connect to this. My uncertainty was not whether I had heard from the Holy Spirit that I should do it. That was my problem. I had heard. My uncertainty was I just wasn't sure what to say to him. I wasn't sure what he would do. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do it. Does that ever happen? Can, can you connect to this? The want to part was really important. And so I wasn't really sure that I wanted to, and so I was second-guessing the Lord in the ways that people can. I was, you know, like saying, oh, I don't know, yeah, whatever. He doesn't look so good. I don't know what he's going to do with the money. You know, I was arguing. And I kept driving. So I went through the light. I turned a corner. I started going several blocks. And something happened to me. I just need to describe it the way it was. I was so disgusted with myself. It was not something that I normally felt, but I, I was disgusted with myself because I didn't do what I knew to do. So I stopped the car, I looked carefully, I made a U-turn, I turned around, I drove back with every in good intention at that moment. And so I get to the area where he is, where he was, He's not there. And so then I'm thinking, okay, I know what direction he was going, so I'm just going to drive in that direction until I see him. And I drove and drove, and I never saw him. And all the while, I've got this sense of disgust is the best way to capture it. Sense of disgust. And I'm thinking, why didn't I do it? And at that moment in a fatherly way, but in a firm way, the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, you don't always get second chances. And that was that. That was that. And I can remember it now, 30-some years later. I remember those feelings. And 
I say to the Lord, I don't want to do what's disgusting to me. I don't want to fall short in that way. I know we all fall short, but that is not one of the ways that I want to fall short. I don't want to hear the Lord and know what to do and then don't do it because of this or that. It doesn't ruin my sense of self-esteem. It doesn't ruin my relationship with him for him to talk to me clearly and to say, you don't always get second chances. Because I know this, he's given me third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. How many of you can verify you've had that kind of experience? God's a God of mercy and restoration. He's a God who's lifting us up and strengthening us. But I still had this experience, and it's, it's a reminder to me. So here's one of the great promises of the Lord. I will be with you. And this is what I know now. Had I chosen to do what he told me to do, the Lord would have been with me when I did it. And whatever discomfort I felt would have been irrelevant because the Lord would have been with me. So Moses, having all these questions, says to the Lord, who am I? And the Lord says, I am with you. That is the great assurance that the Lord has for us. It's a beautiful assurance. And the Lord is then concrete. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God on this mountain. The Lord is saying, you will come right back here. But it won't be you alone. You will be with my people, and together you will worship me right here. And as the Lord spoke that to Moses, you know what? I think something resonated in Moses' heart, and he got it. That's it. That's it. When you've done this, then you'll know for sure. Mishpacha, sometimes that's the way it is. You have to do it to get the final assurance that you're looking for. Now, here's the beautiful thing in this week's Torah portion, which is named Jethro or Yithro, after Moses' father-in-law. We read that God's sign to Moses was real. Exodus 19, verse 1, turn there. Exodus 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai. They camped in the wilderness, so Israel camped there before the mountain. This is the place where God gives Israel the Ten Commandments. And so, at this moment, Moses returns to his Jewish people, the children of Israel, and then he returns with his Jewish people, the children of Israel, and now together, they are at the mountain just as the Lord had assured Moses. And here they are, and this was meant to be a sign. God told him this would happen, and Moses believed God. To the faithful, the Lord shows himself faithful. 
Moses acted with faith and hope and confidence in God, and now Moses is back just like the Lord said he would be. Moses experienced the faithfulness of God. Moses was faithful. God was faithful. This is not blind faith. This is a different kind of faith. This is faith that listens and believes. And without this type of faith, it is not possible to please the Lord. Faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. And that means by listening and putting it into action. Without faith, it is not possible. We can put it this way. It is impossible to please the Lord. Those who come to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now think for a moment about Moses at the Red Sea. It is a difficult moment for everybody. But Moses still has the assurance that he will return to Sinai and that he will be with all the people. That was good for him personally. Moses had an assurance that he will be with all the people. And you know what that means? They will make it. They will make it. There are some times when God gives you an assurance about something good that he will do for someone else. And you may have greater hope and you may have greater faith and greater confidence than they do. In fact, I've, I've often taught leaders something. It's a very important idea that you may have greater vision for people than they have for themselves. And I've taught people who want to be leaders but also people who, who need to follow leadership. I said there are three kinds of leaders. There's a leader who has more vision for you than you have. There is a leader who has no vision for you. And there's a leader who has less vision for you than you have. And you're going to pay a price for any of those. The one who has less vision is always going to be saying no. To you, you can't do it. The one who has no vision for you won't have any answers for you. And the one who has more vision for you will actually want you to do more than you want to do. Will expect that you could accomplish more. If you put the work in, if you grew up, if you took things seriously, if you, if you whatever the if you is, it's got to really be said carefully. the leader who has more vision for you will call you up to something higher. The Lord is like that. And he's looking for faith. He's looking for people who will say yes to him, knowing that it will cost you. I want to just tell you the truth. It will cost you to say yes to the Lord, but it's worth it. Because if you say no to the Lord, then you'll be disgusted with yourself, like me in that experience that I had. If you keep saying no to the Lord, you'll become hard-hearted and you won't even notice and you'll live a different kind of life. But when you say yes to the Lord, step by step, more and more, you will be trustworthy because you will fulfill the assignments that the Lord gives you and you'll do them well. Do your part. Stay faithful. 
What was the sign? Moses will return with Israel. That's the sign. Now, I want you to shift for just a second because signs are one thing, but purpose is another thing. If you're driving on the road and you're looking for a sign and you see the sign, it tells you you're going in the right direction because if you see the right sign. But you don't just stop because you see the sign. And you don't just say, hallelujah, though some of us may need to. I mean, I've gone the wrong way really far sometimes on the road. When you see the right sign and you understand, oh, I'm almost there, you're still remembering what almost there is all about. Yes? And so it is, so it is with the Lord and with Moses. Moses is given this, assign, this sign so that he can hold on and keep going through difficulty and through challenging situations. And there are times when God will speak a word to you or he'll give you an impression or he'll give you a feeling or a, a picture or a mental image. Maybe he'll speak to you through a scripture or a promise or an intuition. But I can tell you this, God can communicate to you through all these means and you have to learn to test yourself to see how you're doing. Hearing. Sometimes I'll have an idea or an impression of what the Lord wants to do, and I'll make a note of it, and then I'll pay attention to what happens next. And there are times when I'm completely wrong. It's like, well, I thought it was gonna go this way, and it didn't. And so I look at that and I say, okay, I learned something from it. I thought it was gonna go this way. I was wrong. That causes me to open up my ears a little bit more. There are times when my wife, Sandy, who has uh, a different kind of discernment than I have, there'll be times when she'll say, this is what is going to happen. And I'll go, oh yeah, can you prove that? And she can't, because it's not coming to her in that fashion. And there are times when she'll say, this is what I think is important. And I'll listen and I'll realize she sees something I don't see. She's paying attention. And some of you guys, you, you, you know what I'm talking about because God gives us, those of us who are married, God gives us a wife to be basarachad, to be one flesh with, and someone who is ezer kenigdi, as it says in the Hebrew, a helper who corresponds to us and who adds to us what we need. And there are times when I think Sandy's wrong, and I'll make a note, and then she's right. It's like, well, I was wrong again. I was wrong on two counts. I thought she'd be wrong, and then I was wrong. I thought I was going to be right. How many guys can relate to this? I don't know if you keep score. I do. It's more fun if you do. It, it, it's more fun and interesting to keep score about how well are you hearing from the Lord? How open are you? And are you only hearing what you want to hear? I used to tell people, do what's in your heart. And then I found out, wow, there's dark stuff in people's hearts. <laughs> One person I said, whatever you do, don't do what's in your heart. Because our heart needs to be refined and purified and cleaned up and trained and 
develop. That's part of the message of the Torah portion this week. Now, there are times when those subjective feelings that you might have, the invisible things, rise to the level of faith and they become an assurance to you. And you know that you know that you know that the Lord will do something. And that's when I think your hope starts to unite with your faith and your confidence in God. But it's not the same as positive thinking. It does affect your thinking, but it doesn't necessarily start there. Instead, it's a result of saying yes to the Lord and a little yes becomes a stronger yes. You start with a little, it becomes more and more. You do a little bit, you take a step forward and the Lord says, good. And then you take another step forward, he says, good. And then he says, okay, keep walking. And you understand something, that this capacity to hear from the Lord and to follow the Lord develops and matures, but it is never perfect or perfected. Do you understand that? It's never going to be perfect. And if anybody ever claims that they are perfect in this, they're not telling you the truth, and that's proved by them saying this. In fact, we have to grow up, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we can grow up. It's a good thing that we can hear from the Lord. It's a good thing that we can learn to do things that we don't want to do. It's a good thing that we can remember what happens when we do stuff that we didn't want to do, but it turned out really well. There are times when you're given an assignment. It's not what you want to do, but you learn something from it. You grow up, you become mature, you become strong. Or, just for the simple reason of doing it well, you do it. And it's done, and at least you can say that. I did what I did with all my heart. So I want to wrap up with one idea. It's not in my notes. It's, it's not where I thought I was going to go. But I think it's connected to something that's really important. It's called the shield of faith. One of the weapons, and you could say the armor of God that Ephesians chapter 6 speaks about is the shield of faith. Are you familiar with that term? The shield of faith. You can read about it in Ephesians chapter 6. Take up the shield of faith. And it's an interesting concept. The shield of faith by which you extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, this is what I want to conclude with. When you have clear word from the Lord and clear direction from the Lord, you will be opposed. And some of the opposition will come from your own kishkas, from your own insides, from your own lack of self-confidence or whatever, or inexperience, whatever it may be. That's one kind. I'm not talking so much about that right now. There's another kind, and that is resistance from outside. Fiery darts that are meant to sting and to hurt, to distract, and to undermine the word of the Lord in your life. 
They are accusations. They are not just accusations against you, but against the Lord, or against you and the Lord, or even against your relationship with the Lord. And it is important to have the shield of faith by which you can extinguish the fiery darts. And that shield is powerful. There are times when the enemy might come to you and say, you are bad. You are not righteous. You are worthless. And you can hold up that shield of faith and you can say, you're right. I'm not, but he is. The Lord is the righteous one, not me. The Lord is the redeemer, not me. I'm the one who needs the mercy of God. Thank you for reminding me. Adversary. Thank you for bringing to my memory the great grace and mercy that the Lord shows me that I need all the time. Thank you for helping me value the gift of repentance that leads to life. Thank you, because right now I'm thinking about how, how kind God is to me and how long-suffering he is with me. That's the shield of faith. And you know what? It extinguishes those fiery darts. It's powerful. It changes things. And you need to know about this because there are fiery darts. Now, sometimes people just take it like, oh, man, that hurt. Another one. Oh, man, something's burning. I think it's me. There are times when the fiery darts need to be extinguished before they hit and hurt. And that is what the shield of faith is all about. You take that up, it's faith in God. It's faith in His faithfulness. It's remembering not the question, who am I? But the question, who are you, Lord? Which is answered with such clarity when He says, I am am with you and I will use you for my great purposes so that together with your people Israel you can serve me wholeheartedly it's not just about you it's about all of us together serving the Lord that's what he's looking for that's what he wants these are high purposes from God and you need armor and you need weapons so that you personally can participate and fulfill your part. That's what I wanted to end with. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, renew us and strengthen us. Teach us to do warfare. Teach us how to win the battles, not according to our flesh, not according to our strength, but according to your spirit and your power. And let us remember the great promises of the new covenant. Lord, that you would write your Torah, your instructions on our hearts and on our minds, and that we would know you with intimacy, and that we would receive forgiveness from you. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Then we'll go next door for chicken chunks and more. I like that term.
And thank you also to those of you who are participating online or by podcast. If you want to stand with us financially, you can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving for all the details. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha shalom.